Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Suave Talk podcast presented by Dyer's Top Rods. And Turbo, you're officially the face of points racing. Move over, Steve Francis. We got a new points leader in town. A fifth, third, and a fifth. Let's go. Tied for third in points. Solid weekend for you at the MAG, baby. Yeah, the MAG's always been one of my favorite tracks. Although it's not really the black ice like it used to be now it's like gassed or it, it tends to rubber at the end of the races but i mean johnny did a good job with the track um like everybody was like man this thing's about to be bad and then he would go in there do a little thing to the top do a little thing to the bottom and it would hang on for you know 90 percent of the race so shout out to him uh, it was a packed house standing room only um and it was really just an awesome weekend uh or you know we're getting better every weekend randall and clint everybody at best uh we're working hard um we definitely uh there's no there's no slouches when uh you know you're racing a race like that so i'm uh you know i'm happy about it i uh i think we got one more weekend of like just terror for me just places that i'm not pumped to go to uh 411 and talladega no offense to them just not my speed but uh we're about to head to portsmouth and uh head back up around here and uh that's where i uh i tend to do a little better i think but uh yeah, I know, man. Just cautions killed me. I, I've, I've been kidding with, like, Timmy and uh, Steven because, like, Steven and Timmy, I told them I make them fast enough to screw me in the end of the feature. Like, Steven crashes at Brunswick, crashes me, and then Timmy spins out, like, right when I think I was going to race with Jimmy there for lead Saturday. So, I don't know. I guess, the like, I, I helped them guys get too fast, and then they're fast enough to, you know, cost me some spots. But, no, nah, it was good. Uh, good weekend. We had the whole turbo row. We kind of joke about that now because me, Steve, and Timmy, we've got our own row. There's rocket row, turbo row, longhorn row. So um, it was a good weekend. I was glad to be down in Magnolia. It's technically one of my home tracks, I guess, in a weird way. Yeah, what else caught your eye this weekend uh, throughout the entire country? Maybe, you know, that win by Zach Mitchell or anything else catch your eye? Or did anything else, you see anything different at Magnolia? Because five of the last six races, Lucas Oil races, the winners run won from the front row. Yeah, I'm going to do some quick hitters here. One thing, Brandon Overton and ignition problems. He either wins or has an ignition problem. I texted him the first night uh, with a lightning bolt, and I said, you need to work on your ignition. And then another quick hitter is just, I mean, the, the competition is stiff, is really, really stiff. I mean, McCready and JD are, I mean, they're two of the top five drivers in the country at any point, I believe. And, uh, you know, they didn't have the best of weekends, but that's how crazy their late model racing is. They could come out and, you know, be swinging this weekend. Um, I thought Kyle Strickler running 47 laps on a flat tire was amazing. I, I, I was, every lap I was like, this is the lap he's going to push and crash. Like there's no way he can lead another lap. And he just really, I think if it goes green to checkered, he, I mean, it's so, it's hard to believe, but he led the whole entire race with a flat left front. So that was pretty impressive. I was honestly, that was pretty cool. Um, another side note is like, if you read the, the notes from bulls gap Saturday, like five cars crashed in hot laps. And I was like, what the hell? Like Madden had to pull a backup out two or three guys, like knocked the shit out of their stuff. So like I called some people, I was like, what happened? They're like, well, it was kind of rough, kind of fast, but then like straight marbles at the top. And you know, when five people crash in hot laps and not just like no namers, like, I mean, Chris Madden had to pull his backup out. He crashed about in hot laps. Like that's interesting. I wasn't there. I didn't get to see it. So yeah, I, I was watching was, on uh, dirt vision and, 
literally, yeah, like you said, five or six guys wrecked in hot laps, and there was another four or five that hit the wall in qualifying. They had to only use, like, another lap. So it was kind of bizarre, like you said, to hear and see that. Yeah, that's something you don't want to do. Like, I've always had that, like, I always had in the back of my mind, like, man, don't be the first guy to go out here and crash or don't be the one that, you know, there's 60 cars here qualifying. Don't be the one guy that spins out or pushes into the fence. So, like, I guess it's okay if five of them crash. You're like, well, hell, I wasn't the only one. But still, that's a, you, you never want to crash in hot lap. That just can make for a really long night. And then uh, the final thing is Doug Sandrin's lift gate broke at Magnolia, and there was a picture circulating of his car, like, hanging off the lift gate. And uh, I'm proud to say that I was the uh, the head Indian and chief of getting that situation unclustered. So that was pretty cool. It was like a three-hour ordeal, really. We had a boom truck and all kinds of shit. But the best part about the whole deal is like two or three years ago in Mississippi, I'd say 99% of them hated me. And I've never met Doug, honestly. I've never talked to him, met him. And uh, he wasn't there, but his crew guy was. And just the, the group of people that were around, I would be willing to say 60% of them still didn't like me at all. So the fact that I was up there helping them guys and then uh, one of them put something on Facebook about basically how he's never liked Turbo, never was going to like me, but now he has a changed opinion. Like, I was like, I thought that was pretty cool because at the time I wasn't really, I didn't care about that. I was like, man, that's, this guy's got a big clusterfuck going on and I'm pretty good at fixing shit like this. So I went over there and helped him. And then after the fact, like Randall kept getting with me, he's like, you're just a fucking hero, huh? You just, you're just, you saved him. Like, they don't cut me no slack. Like, they just are like, oh, you just did it. I was like, no, man, like the guy, he was in a bad spot. So I just helped him out. But, that was a pretty cool deal, and I mean, I that guy, he was the guy that uh, was working on the shit. He gave me a hug and all kinds of stuff, and I was like, look, man, like, I've been in some bad spots, too. Just, you know, always think about others, and that's kind of one thing I do. A lot of people may not think that, but, like, even if I don't like you, I'll help you with anything. You broke down on the side of the road, and I, I think a lot of people are like that. Mark Richards, one day I crawled under his trailer. His ABS lights on his trailer messed up, and how I crawled under there and worked on that one day at a truck stop, and it was when I just met him. So. I think uh, that is one thing, you know, with all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world and all the hate and ignorance, basically, that's going on. Um, I mean, I think, really, you know who people are and you know that everyone's here to help everyone for the most part. And uh, if they're not, then they're not the type of people that you should be surrounded by. Not all heroes wear capes, Turbo. Not all heroes wear capes. I'm very proud of you for doing that. And uh, we try to make this huge falls push for you tomorrow night. We posted on social media that you want to ride for Fairbury. You're dialed in in the Lucas Oil Series because it only takes a couple bad nights for those leaders to, you know, break, and you're back in the hunt. Do we get any luck with that? Can we get Turbo to Falls? I mean, I really think if I pushed – I had a mod ride dialed in. Uh, Matt James, Terry James, they uh, they freshened their motors this week. They, like, text me every week about driving the mod the one – the Fairbury midday show called. I was like, Hey, are we mod racing? And they were like, we literally like on Snapchat, they were taking their motors to get fresh. And I was like, well, shit, it's all right. But no, I don't know. I, I would really, really like to go. That would be one time, I guess if I had, you know, a fourth car sitting here or a third, really, we only have two right now. We're in the process of building a new one. So I would love to go, but it's just not a, in the big picture of things for, you know, everyone here at best, we're trying to win the Luke soil championship. So, we can't, you know, risk going over there, but I, I do, I'm a firm believer you make more laps and, uh, you know, you get good and that's just how you stay sharp. So I would love to do it, but I didn't push too hard. It's, I mean, the day's still young. It's only two o'clock on Tuesday here. So I might get the ring tonight from Weaver or somebody and 
I might show up tomorrow. You never know. Oh, my gosh. If you showed up here, maybe we'll, uh, I'll propose this to you. Bring your 91 old family equipment and bring it up to Fairbury. And then Parrish and Air Logie and Peters, they can all tune on it during the week. And whenever you want to come race here, it would be ready to go. That's what I was thinking. I, I've honestly thought about that, just having a car strictly for, like, the dome and stuff <laughs> like this. Because I, I've always wanted to go to races like that. But I don't really necessarily want to take my stuff that I'm, like, going to race, you know, at a big show. But I was, like, at the same time, well, if I had a car that I race, like, five or six times a year, I could – I can make stuff like this happen. So I don't know. I, I guess whenever I uh, finally get a permanent residence in Fairbury, I'll definitely have a little shop there and just have a weekly late model car there, I guess. Let's keep this party going. Berkey of the week, one of my favorite segments. I'll let you go first, Turbo. Uh, my Berkey of the week is the massive car count at Magnolia and the competition. Like 55 tough cars for a 5,000 win the first two nights and then the 15,000 Saturday. Um, that was like one of my memories I was telling somebody about. I was like, Jack Sullivan was here one year at the Cotton Pig, and there's 72 cars, and he was quick time, where all they did was qualify Thursday, heat race Friday, um, race Saturday. And, like, that was amazing to me. 72 cars. Like, I mean, how do you even fathom that for 15,000 wins? And it's not like there's any the, – the local guys that are good, the Rickmans, Baggett, Brash, um, all the guys that live around there, Colt, their – Soval was there. There's just a lot, a lot of good cars, and – uh, like I was telling Steven, I was like, look, man, this isn't a place you're going to show up and do good at. Like you're two or three tenths off your 30th, you know, like that's not, it's hard to, it's hard to make good laps here. This is a driver's track and it changes and you kind of got to know the way, you know, when the line shifts and how long the top will be there and then how long to the bottom gets clean. And, uh, I don't know, just Johnny Stokes has an awesome facility and it was packed. We were there Wednesday night and just camped out. I heard and, the uh, crowd was bananas, like the biggest ever. It, it was a huge crowd. Ross Tingle was on the call. Just, uh, it was just made me feel like I was at home again. So, uh, Magnolia is my Berkey of the week. I, I used to love it. That was like my, two, I thought that was the biggest race in dirt late model race. When I first started racing, like, shoot, you go to Magnolia and win a race. That's like huge. Cause I mean, that's just, for me, that was like kind of far away. That was the biggest race ever. So like, it felt to me like that was my world 100, you know, until I started traveling a little bit more like Mag, if you could win a race in Magnolia, you're a bad, bad dude. Yeah, and yeah, when you're a little kid, when you go to Magnolia and you see like the Moyers and Jack Sullivan, all those guys, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best field ever because you really just don't think about it at the time. You, get, no, you just you can't process uh, it. No, you can't. You, I mean, you don't. A lot of, I mean, them guys will tell you the race there. Like, if they could win the cotton picking and you're from Mississippi, that's like, I mean, that is equivalent to winning the dirt track if you're from Ohio or oh, Kentucky. Yeah. You know, it's a deal. You know, my Berkey of the week is. Scott Bloomquist, he's back, Turbo. Get this, two top fives. You know what top fives lead to? They translate to wins. Bloomquist is going to win one night at the Firecracker. He's getting hot. Two top fives. I can't believe we're talking about this. You think he wins the 50-lapper or the 25-lapper? He's got to win the 50-lapper, right? He's a 50-lap guy. He can't win a 25-lapper, can he? I don't know. He's not a. He's not the aggressive. I mean, maybe if he sits on the pole and his stuff's that good. Last time I was there, when Scott was there, he didn't drug test, then he started on the pole the year before and broke before he even took the green, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's had some uh, quite a few memories at the Firecracker, like him and the Jimmy Mars incident when he came back for his, uh, what do you call it, uh, when he was uh, like going through the World Racing Group and he, uh, what do you call it, I'm losing the word right here, Turbo, when he raced and still won it, appealed it yeah, during his was, appeal. He, uh, yeah, he won that race and... 
he just has had some instant moments there. But he actually looked competitive this weekend, and we could say at the Dream, he stunk very, very badly. So he was getting some top fives, and he was actually passing some cars and looked like he was up there with the leaders most of the, most of the weekend. Yeah, we were all – that was kind of the talk. Some of the I stayed in uh, Morristown at Buckingham Shop, and we were eating lunch there with some locals, and that's what they said. You know, half of them were like, Scott's done, he's done. And we were like, I don't know, man. You can never – you can never count that guy. They're like, well, Scott never run out at Eldora. He sucked at Eldora. He's done. He's over the hill. And then he goes bulls gap, runs fifth both nights or fifth and third or whatever. So I don't think you can ever count him out. That's the worst part is like, I'm happy when he's not doing good for my own sake. But like when he starts doing good, you're like, damn, like what? I mean, what do we even do? You know, when he's good, it's like you can never catch up to him is what it feels like. But then when he's bad, it's like, ah, he's over the hill. He's done. You know, so. The sport is better, though, when Scott Bloomquist is competing, I think. Yeah, yeah, not for me, but for the fans. <laughs> for I the did. fans and everybody else, yeah. Well, let's keep the show rolling. Our guest this week was is Zach Mitchell, who is fresh off his first ever national touring win. Turbo, do you remember your first time? <laughs> Knoxville, baby. Knoxville, it was two years ago. I I thought I was going to win outlaw race like 19 times, could never get it done. <laughs> Went to Knoxville, won on a Thursday night, and then nine days later, I had three touring victory wins in nine days. So it was a good, a good little stretch, like, Maybe Zach Mitchell should go to Lernerville this weekend and see if he can keep his streak going. And here he is, our interview with Zach Mitchell. Joining us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is one of the hottest drivers in America, Zach Mitchell. Zach, it has been almost 72 hours since your World of Outlaws win at Volunteer last Saturday. Has it sunk in yet? Yeah, it's, uh, you know... Uh, it was just another feeling. I know it. It sounds cliche, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's a different type of feeling. You know, you're on, you know, some kind of high when that thing, you know, when stuff like that happens, and uh, you know, just to be able to do that and compete with those guys, man, that's a surreal feeling. You weren't even planning on going to Bulls Gap, but the stars aligned that night, night, and you got the job done. Just take us through that whole weekend where it was kind of chaotic for you. Oh uh, yeah, we uh, we were planning on going to 311 that Saturday, and uh, <clears throat> the the rain came and they canceled it probably Friday at lunchtime. And I called my dad. I was like, "Hey, uh, you want to go to Bulls Gap?" And he was like, "Ah, you know, yeah, that's fine. Whatever, if you want to, that's fine." He really wasn't all game for it, you know. But uh, you know, I finally talked him into it, and uh, there we were. I got one more thing about that race. Dale McDowell said this after the race. I'm going to quote him here. Zach Mitchell drove an awful good race. He didn't make any mistakes. He didn't get too excited in lap traffic. I've seen how he's run really, really well at times, up-and-coming racers. That's what the sport needs. If I couldn't win it, I'm glad to see him win it. He's a good little racer. That's what we need. What goes through your mind when a Hall of Fame driver like Dale McDowell says that? It's, uh, it's crazy, definitely. You know that. I've always wanted to be a race car driver since I was a little kid. Uh, you know, I've watched those guys, you know, for years and, you know, looked up to them. And, you know, I'll find myself sometimes at, uh, you know, some of these racetracks that they're at and, uh, you know, we'll be racing with them and I'll still be, you know, kind of a fan, you know. Uh, but, you know, just to be able to compete with those guys, man, it's, uh, it's something else. It really is. They're good, clean racers. They race you hard. And, uh, you know, once again, just uh, – you know, be up there with them and be able to uh, be halfway competitive with them is great. Turbo, you got anything for him? 
man, just kind of talk about like the area you race in and the group of cars you race against. I mean, I, me personally, I absolutely hate going to Carolinas and racing against you guys, not because of any particular reason. I don't like the racetracks is the main thing, but like, I mean, you race good cars on a weekly basis. You got Ferguson, Ross Bales, you know, guys like JD and uh, the Barry Wright house cars always been like based out of there. Like, I don't think y'all get enough credit for how hard it is to go. Like, if you can go win a race at Cherokee or Lancaster or anything, play, like that's a big deal, even if, if it's a clash race or whatever. I mean, just kind of talk about the group that you normally race against. I know some nights they only have eight cars, but then Cherokee has 50 every time they race there. So just kind of, you know, touch on your thoughts of the group that you race with every weekend, kind of how that's made you and set you up to be able to win the race that you did this week. Oh yeah, we uh, we race, definitely race against some great cars, you know, week in and week out. Uh, I mean, you never know who will show up. We have a have a lot of talent around where I'm uh, where I'm from, you know, Gaffney and Lancaster, and uh, like you said, places like that. Uh, you know, you got Fergie, Ross Bells, and uh, you know, I've grown up racing with those guys my whole life. Really, you know, they're probably five or six years older than me, but you know, there's a lot of great drivers that come from our area, you know, and. Uh, you know, these racetracks around here, I mean, that's the thing, like we were talking about at Bulls Gap, that, uh, you know, we don't get to race on anything that slick, you know, just as good as I do, that all our racetracks are hammered down wide open all night, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, how do I say it, it's, it's really, uh, it's a great thing to be able to race on, you know, uh, those slick racetracks like that and be able to perform well, you know, considering we don't, we're not able to race on those. Yeah. And I mean, what's one track that you would love to go to that you've never been to? I mean, like, I mean, personally, like my, my tire guy now, Clint, he's, he's from y'all's area, Cherokee down there, Mooresville and all that. And he, he was like, he, like we've gone to Peavely and East Bay and all these other places now. And he's like, man, I just, I, I didn't even realize that racetracks could race like this. Like he's so used to Cherokee and all them other places. So like, what's a place or a swing that like you'd like to go to, you know, here in the next year or so. I've always wanted to go to uh, Florence. I've always wanted to run the North South for some reason. That's just always uh, stuck out, you know, uh, when it comes to places that I've always wanted to go. And uh, also uh, Knoxville, Iowa, for some reason, that's just, uh, seems like a great racetrack. You race all over it. It's fast and, uh, you know, it just produces some good racing. All right, next question. When are you going to go to Knoxville or the North South <laughs> this year? But. Uh, hopefully soon, you know. Uh, I don't even, when is the North South this year? Is it? Are they going to do it or is it? It is August, August 16th, right? 17th, 18th. Or no, wait, excuse me, August okay. 9th, 10th, 11th. Okay, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll definitely be great, you know, just to, uh, you know, get out there and get some exposure and, you know, uh, get to go to some of these different racetracks and just, uh, you know, learn all you can. That's, that's the main thing. Why do the Carolina and the Southeast tracks get a bad rap from outsiders? Get be honest with us. Well, uh, I don't know if it's the dirt or what, but you know, the racetracks around here, they're real dirty and crummy, you know, just kind of right around the bottom. And, uh, you know, I know turbo hill vouch for me, but, it just, uh, you know, unless the racetrack's perfect, I guess you could say, it's kind of hard to race on it. Agreed. I absolutely hate them. They're all terrible. <laughs> What's your favorite Carolina track, then? Uh, probably Lancaster. You know, uh, we've had some success over there, and, 
you know, it's big, it's fast, it's wide open. Um, and, you know, we have had some pretty good races over there. What's Barry Wright like? I know you drive his race cars. The average fan may not know much about him. What's he like? Uh, he's just uh, he's just another guy. You know, if you met him out on the street, you wouldn't have a clue. He built race cars. You know, he's uh, he's real down to earth. Uh, you know, help anybody he could, give him the shirt off his back. Uh, you know, he, he's a really great guy. And I'm, uh, you know, it's a great thing to, you know, kind of have him on my side. Could you pull off the overalls like he wears? I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Turbo? What about, uh, so where do you see yourself in three or four or five years? I mean, would you like to go race a tour or anything like that? Or is it even a possibility? You know, would you saying you work a regular job there? Um, I mean, um, is it even want to do like just kind of where would you in two or three years where do you want to see yourself at as far as racing goes uh you know it's really hard to say uh you know like you said the way i work now and all i definitely i mean that'd mean the world to me to be able to go travel and uh run some kind of national series whether it's Ward of outlaws or lucas oil and uh, you know just to be able to travel around and like i said i've always uh loved racing just any kind of racing especially dirt racing um you know, just, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I grew up with, uh, Ross Bales and, uh, Chris Ferguson and all them guys and kind of seen them come into their own, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, and seeing the tor- turning point of their careers and, you know, really be competitive on a national level. And, uh, you know, yeah, that is definitely something I would want for myself. And that's what I was going to say. You grew up racing with them. They both have national touring wins and you're kind of like, man, when am I going to get that? time to shine and you got it this past weekend so now you're like hey i'm just as good as ross bales and chris ferguson right uh you know like i said i've raced with them forever they're uh they're really good racers you know uh but just like i was saying i've i've been wondering uh for a while now when's the turning point gonna be in my career and this may not even be it you know this may just be the start but uh you know hopefully it's not hopefully hopefully we're headed in the right direction I asked all the drivers who their racing hero was as a kid. Tyler Herbs is Shannon Babs. Who was your hero when you were growing up? <laughs> I knew you was going to ask me this question. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. I've always, I know, uh, really, I've always kind of idolized Earl Pearson. I just, I like Earl Pearson. He's just a uh, cool, calm, collective, you know, don't really get upset. You don't hear him, uh, you know, a bunch of arguments and stuff like that. And he's just always been somebody I've really looked up to. Turbo? Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, have you ever spoke to her a lot? Yeah. I, uh, like a distant, like me and Bab, I swear I never talked to him for seven years, and then like now we're buds. It's just weird. Like I was like, hey, there's Shannon Bab, but I was like too scared to go talk to him. <laughs> I know. Uh, back when we were running the Masterbuilt cars, he, uh, he kind of helped us out a little bit there for about a year or so, and, um, you know, it's just something I'll always remember. And, you know, I still, I'll talk to him from time to time when they come race around here. How did you get into racing? Did your family go race, or how did you get involved? And then what? When did you start racing? I guess too. Uh, really, I've I've been around it my whole life. My dad, I don't know if uh, y'all remember or not, but my dad, he was a crew chief, I guess you could say, for Wesley Hood back in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands, before he quit. And uh, you know, that was kind of I was probably about four or five years old, and uh, you know, I remember going to the races, and you know, they went to Eldora and a lot of these bigger races. And, um, but my grandpa raced, my dad raced, and, uh, my dad bought me a go-kart when I was 
four or five years old and uh you just kind of played around in the yard a little bit and uh you know we got to going to some of these local tracks and racing a little bit and got really competitive and we started running some of the bigger shows and uh you know seeing when we were pretty competitive and you know everything just uh you know went on from there when you have like the national series comes into your backyard What's your mindset? Does it say the same, or do you feel that in the back of your mind, like, oh man, the big boys are here. We've ran well here in the past. Let's put on a show for them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anywhere but Gaffney. It just seems like I've always, uh, you know, when they come to Gaffney, it's always something. You know, we've had some pretty good runs over there. Just like when the Lucas was over there, that was uh, like we run seventh, and uh, that was that was huge for us because you know, we never run good over there. But uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you kind of. Like me, you know, I kind of idolize a lot of those guys, and I find myself doing that a lot instead of, you know, looking at them and other than just a regular racer, you know, uh, I think that is one downfall I have. Since you're an outsider that's mostly regionalized, I'm going to name some late model topics that are no more nationally branded. I just want to have your thoughts on it. The first one is Eldora Speedway. Uh, there's there's nothing like Eldora. Uh, you know, I've only I, I went once in a uh, in a crate car and raced there. I've never been there in a uh, supercar, but uh, Eldora is just it's Eldora. You know, it's the biggest race of the year. The dirt car summer nationals. Uh, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about it. I know that's a big thing up that way. Do you um, think they're crazy you know, for I'd racing that many days in a row? I do. I I don't think I could do it. I think it'd probably <laughs> kill one of us. What about the USA Nationals up in Cedar Lake? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely been something on the bucket list. You know, Cedar Lake, it looks like a pretty good racetrack, and uh, I always wanted to try to go there. Well, I got to ask you about Fairbury. What do you think about that place? Uh, you don't even have to ask about Fairbury. I mean, that's, uh, that's like no other, man. They race two and three wide all night there. Do you ever see turbos flip there? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. I think everybody has. And okay, now, what's a big, what's a bigger wreck? Where was it? Wasn't it Lancaster where that dude drove out at the Carolina Crown when he went through the trees? Do you think that was a bigger wreck, or when me and Unzicker flipped? Which one was bigger? Because I think you were, you were at I, Lancaster. Now. Yeah, I was. I was. That was uh, that was wild. You know, especially you know, you go on that speed at Lancaster, and that's just uh, yeah, it's really got to scare you pretty bad. But uh, I know that uh, that flip you had a Fairbury is pretty bad. <laughs> I was scared. That was pretty serious. Um, yeah, that was uh, I can, that was serious. I got, I got one for you here. I like. I mean, I always I like to hear people's opinion on, especially from the region they're from. Who's better, Scott or Billy? You're mine right now. No question. Scott. Doesn't matter. Ten Scott. Ago now. Scott. Ooh, see, I like Scott. it. I like it. Let's uh, let's like hear that. your answer. Like, let's back up your uh, your answer. Why do you think that? I mean, well, I just uh, you know, of course, a lot of people around here know our race, and you know people from my hometown that don't really know a whole lot about dirt lane model racing, but they know a little bit. Uh, you know, the first thing that gets brought up when you're talking about dirt lane model racing is you're racing at Scott Blunquist. That's the, one of the first things somebody says, you know, and uh, man, he's just, he's Scott Blunquist, you know? I had a, I have a bone to pick with you guys down there. I've been to races a few times down there. Why in the hell do the fans sit out in the blazing hot heat for like five hours before hot laps just on the side of the hill there? It makes no sense to me. I know they're uh, they're super dedicated. Uh, <laughs> you know they they really put a lot into it. You know uh, you know and they just they make the racing great. They really do. 
All right, right now, gun to your head. Brandon Overton, Jimmy Owens, and Brandon Shepard are arguably the top three drivers currently as is up to this season so far. We'll get Turbo in there by the end of the season, but who would win driver of the year if the season ended today? Brandon Overton. He's yeah, either either wins goal. or bad luck. Exactly. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of the races at Speed Weeks that uh, you know, definitely he you know, he should have won. Uh, you know, it may have played out a you know, a different hand if uh, they had got to run all, or he had got to run all the laps. But uh, man, he just there's a lot of them that he let slip away, just you know, bad luck or something breaking. Walk, what do you think right now, end of the year? Who is it? I, I mean, I made my bold prediction about three weeks ago that Brandon Overton has the chance of winning. But until somebody beats Brandon Shepard in the Crown Jewels like consistently, I think it's going to be tough to pass him because you know he's going to win 15 World of Outlaw races no matter what. I think with the Lucas side, you guys are going to you know spread them out a little bit because you guys have are more top-heavy, I think, of guys that can win it. No doubt World of Outlaws have, has good competition, but I just think that Shepard, he's, and at the end of the day, is going to win 15 or 16, probably win some Crown Jewels. But until those two can beat him on a consistent basis, it's going to be hard to beat him. That's fair. I agree. That's fair. I agree. What do you think, Turbo? This is we're putting you on the analyst hat right now. I mean, I think Jimmy Owens right now, he's won he won at Volusia, the, the few outlaw races he went to. Um he's won at Lucas, you know, all over the place. He's won unsanctioned, the unsanctioned at Magnolia. He's won with Southern Nationals at four eleven. And if I mean if you're gonna end the day right now, he's run top three for like fifteen consecutive races and not I mean, not anything that would be considered less than one of the biggest races that weekend. So I think if you end it today, Jimmy Owens is the number one driver, not just because of the poll. That poll's bullshit. I'm talking <laughs> real life. He, he is, he is for sure the number one right now. Um, I told over, I called over yesterday cause I was picking at him. I said, you got it for one week. You let it slip. Like what the hell? He's like, ah, ignition, which he did. He broke the first night, but I think if he could have won, well, you know, one or two races at Bulls Gap, he he could have been the number one for sure because then he would have backed it up, beaten Sheppy. But um, Sheppy, you know, he got a win and Overton run fifth and broke leading. So it's not like he didn't win. But Jimmy, he's just ice cold. He runs second, first, first. So I, I think right now I'm going to give it to Jimmy. Until this weekend when you beat him both times. That's right, bunch of turds. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what's your racing season looks like the rest of the year, uh, Zach? I know you're going to run ultimate again so pretty much a lot of those and then hit up all the big shows in your area yeah um i think we're gonna try to go to 411 this weekend maybe talladega um look out turbo you know, talladega. Look out. <laughs> talladega is still kind of up in the air you know we're supposed to uh race all next weekend of the fourth so uh we may take saturday off and go to the lake or something Ooh, i like the lake that sounds just as fun but i gotta ask you what's the one thing we don't know about zach mitchell it doesn't have to be your deepest dark secret it could be but what is the one thing we don't know about you that like an average race oh. fan probably wouldn't know really i don't i don't know you know i'm just i've always been real quiet and uh you know don't say a whole lot just uh you know real shy i guess uh, you know i guess a lot of people don't really know that about me because i'm not you know, always in the scene. I'm uh, not big on the on social media like I should be. You know, uh, but I guess uh, you know just that I'm you know just real shy and quiet. I think he's the southeast version of Billy Moyer, Turbo. What do you think? Quiet, winning some races, doesn't get in a lot of tussles. I mean, I mean, I'm thinking more Kevin Weaver. If you've ever seen the 57 qualified Lancaster, it's it's amazing. I mean, I 
I would have bet a million bucks every time I go there and watch a race. I'm like, that's 57. He digs at Lancaster. And I've been there one time and I hope I never go back. And it's, it's honestly impressive because you watch him drive and you're like, he don't care. I mean, he's one inch away from killing this thing and just pulls off a hell of a lap. And um, I don't know. I think just watching you at Lancaster is honestly one of the, the few joys I get about racing down in the Carolinas or anything about that. You at Lancaster, it's, I mean, it's impressive. I'll give you that. I appreciate it. All right. Last thing we always end the Suave Talk podcast is we do a driver assessment. The guest has to assess Tyler Erb's racing ability, give him a letter grade. We're trying to make him the best driver ever, and I think so far this year out of like the 12, 13 guests, we've kind of molded this new driving style for Tyler Erb, and he's third in Lucas Oil points. He's points racing in them to death. So I want, to, I want Zach Mitchell to give the driver assessment to Tyler Erb, maybe what he needs to improve on or what do you see when he's behind the wheel. And you got to be dead honest with us because we're trying to make him the best driver ever. I would, uh, you know, I've watched Turbo a lot. Uh, you know, I watched him down there at Speed Week and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I would, uh, I'd probably say a B plus, not quite an A, but a B plus. You know, he, uh, he can get up on the wheel, no doubt. And he can, uh, he can drive in the slick or drive if there's a big cushion up top. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, uh, that's a really honest answer from him. What's, is there anything he needs to improve on? We got a big race weekend coming up. Uh, Really, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, but who am I to criticize? You know, uh, one of the national guys. You know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I really look up to Turbo. I think he's a great driver. Oh, Turbo, I'll listen be- to that. I'll give you an easy. I need to do better in the Carolinas, four eleven Talladega. Those are the places I need to do better. I can't okay, qualify yeah, okay. places. I I've qualified dead last at Cherokee my whole life. I always I run eighth right behind you at that race, but. I, I don't know what it is about them places. I guess I don't drive hard enough, which is crazy because I always think I'm driving too hard there, but I cannot qualify them places, and it kills my night. So I'll, I'll, do, I'll say it for you. I need to do better at Cherokees and the, the 411s and places like that of the world. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How about Turbo? He parks next to you at these tracks, and he gets you dialed in. That would be good. Maybe give me up yeah. on the wheel a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Well, Zach, congratulations on your big win this past week, and I know it meant a lot for you and your family to get that big W. Thank you for taking time. I know you've probably been kissing babies and signing some autographs this week, you know, in your hometown <laughs> after getting the win. So uh, appreciate that, and good luck down the road, bud. I sure do appreciate it. It's good talking to you Man, Zach Mitchell, Turbo, he was pumped for getting his first national touring race. It's a pretty cool moment, isn't it, Turbo? Because I remember you – saying your big win at Knoxville. That was a special night for you. Yeah, it's nothing. There's nothing like it. Uh, I'm sure he'll never forget it. And uh, really, that's, uh, you know, they say once you get the first one, the rest come easier. So I'm sure uh, Zach Mitchell, will. Uh, he's definitely got a couple more wins in his day for sure. Moving on, we're not going to do Ask Jeeves. We're going to do this segment. We're going to call it Midget Talk. Turbo, the Indiana Sprint Week or Midget Week was last weekend, and Kyle Larson was badass fast. He was on a mission throughout the entire Speed Weeks, and it was on Flow Racing. Every single night was a great night. Yeah, I watched every night, and, uh, you know, we were all, to me, this is the way I see it. Like, he definitely is wheeling that thing. Don't get me wrong. He's, I think he just outdrives, you know, half them guys, half the nights. He goes on the cushion when it's like they can't even run the cushion anymore. He's just a, a very smart racer. Like when the 
the racetrack transitions and it moves down and it moves to the top, it's just better and better. And, you know, he's won in, he's 410, then he gets in the midget and wins, and he's won in the Keith Coons car, and he's won in all these cars. But to me, really, I asked Stokes this. I said, Stokes, honestly, if Kyle Larson showed up to race here today, okay, and he won, and I don't know what the tech or anything that is like that for the sprint cars or the power. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I have no idea. I don't mess with them. But all I'm saying is, does that guy, is he really that much better at holding the steering wheel and pressing the gas and the brake? I mean, honestly, how, how can you be that much better than guys that do it for a living every single day? Gets in a 410, beats shot, sweet, all them guys. Gets in a midget, beats Tanner Thorson, you know, Logan TV, all the guys that are really, really good. To me, one, two things kind of stand out to me. One, either that guy is so God-given talented, it's unbelievable. You know, maybe he is truly, truly that good. But two, on the flip side, like, He's selling more tickets than you could possibly. You could put him out there by himself, and he would sell more tickets than the rest of the field. As bad as people don't want to hear that, that's the truth right now because of the controversy, because of everything else. But secondly, if, say, Kyle Larson does get in this thing and he wins all these races, I mean, who's to say he doesn't have some sort of an advantage? Most people that are racing, you know, we're all looking for the edge and things like that in late model racing. So you're telling me that he's just that much better? I mean, five of the six nights. I mean, six out of six, he run first and second. Four wins, two seconds. So. If there is an advantage or something like that, like, do you think he gets the same? Like, are they going to throw Kyle Larson out for winning a, a midget race or a sprint car race? Absolutely not. That's your ticket sales. Like, that would just create controversy and people would be pissed off at you. So, like, I think it's kind of interesting. And, like, I don't know what them guys think that he's racing against because, like, I know if that guy come and got in the late model and won the firecracker this weekend, I would be like, there's no way possible. It's not even possible that, that guy could do that. You know, he doesn't do it every weekend. I don't care how good you think you are. It's just not physically possible. And maybe midgets and sprint cars are totally different, but that's just the flip side of it. Like the guy is good. Don't get me wrong. He's doing everything right. But when you have some sort of advantage and things like that, like maybe it can make you look like Superman. What? So that's the, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I mean, is he really, that? Is he really, you have a steering wheel, a brake and a gas pedal. Is he that much more better at using those three things than the next guy? I think one, that he's arguably one of the best pure wheelmen ever. He can get anything and wins. He's proved it in NASCAR. He's proved it on pavement or dirt. And two, I just think these midget drivers, they stink. They're not as good as, you know, the late model world. Like, how does this guy come in starting 15th and he's up to third in like five or six laps? I will take that to my grave. Yes, they're crazy. Yes, they put on a show. But, I mean, this guy is like embarrassing in this field. I mean, he would. It would piss me off. Like, if that guy come in a late model and come to the Lernerville, I promise you, there's no way possible he would win. And if he did, I'd be like, it's, there's, he's got a fucking robot driving that thing because there's no way that you can just be that much better than guys if that's all they do. And then another thing on the flip side of all of this, if that guy is that much of a wheelman, imagine all the other racers that don't ever get the chance to go race NASCAR that are that good. You know, I, 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 I mean, we were talking about this. Like, There's probably guys in street stocks that could be the best mod racers ever but never get a chance. Guys in a mod that could race a late model but never get the chance don't have the money. Like, is the guy that wins a NASCAR race on Sunday really that talented? Or is it just a matter of knowing the right people, getting in the right situation, and, you know, you put yourself there? Because if Kyle Larson is that good of a wheelman, he should win every NASCAR race he was in. And he didn't. He won quite a bit. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he's, he's not the Jimmy Johnson or the Kyle Busch. So is Kyle Busch a better wheelman than Kyle Larson? Is Kyle Larson better? Or is it all about, you know, the ride you're in and the advantages and things like that? And that kind of goes back, like, trickles down into what I'm saying about the midgets. Like, if Kyle Busch wins every single – NASCAR race and Jimmy Johnson's won eight championships and this and that like okay Kyle Larson y'all everyone in the world right now is like Kyle Larson Kyle Larson Kyle Larson he can win a 14 he can win this well like 
how come he didn't win 22 NASCAR races last year? I mean, is the competition that close? Well, I think I think it's just a natural transition for him to go back and race midgets and sprint cars because he's done it his whole life. I don't think like those guys who haven't done it could go do that unless you know they had some years of practice. But how long do you think it take it would take Larson to win a late model race if he put his dedication and time into it? And I also think late models is you have to have your car more dialed in than you would in a midget. Yeah, I mean, I'd say for him to go win a local late model race. If he spent a month or two, you know, testing every night, racing here or there, you could go win a local race. But for him to go out and win an Outlaw or a Lucas race, shit, it would take a year, year and a half, two years if he, you know, if he could adapt to it. There's a lot of guys. Donnie Schatz is one of the best sprint car racers in the world. And, like, I don't see him winning a Lucas or an Outlaw race anytime soon. It's just, you know, it's it's such a different – the way they drive must be different or the competition's level is a totally different, you know, tier. So – for him to, you know, for him, all the people that say he should be in a Bloomquist car, he should race the world. <laughs> but, like, come on, man. Like, that'd be like saying, oh, you know what? If Turbo got in a Chili Bowl car, he's going to win this week. Like, I'm I'm pretty realistic. That's not even in the cards. Like, maybe if I went and tested one for a month or so, I'd like to make the show. But, like, it's just you got to know there's differences in everything that's going on. There's a reason them guys can run a sprint car, a 410, a non-wing, and all that shit in the same night. But, like, if a guy can win a mod in a late model race in the same race, like, hell yeah, he was digging. I mean, the four crown, the only guy that truly won the four crowns, Jack Hewitt, right? I mean, he won in a modified, a late model, a midget, and a sprint car. Yeah, now Kyle Larson's the only guy to win the three races, yes. Correct. Yeah, now they're racing three types of sprint cars. Like, Jack Hewitt was wheeling stuff where you're sitting in a school bus, you're laying down like a drag car. I mean, you're driving a lot of different stuff that all act different. So, I wouldn't... I'm not saying Kyle Larson is bad by any I mean, a guy can gas on it, and he has huge cojones. So, I mean, hats off to him. It's fun to watch. Like, I, I watch it every night, and when he started, like, 15, 16, so like, if this guy can win from 15, 16, like, he, he's fucking embarrassing these guys. And he did. So, it was it was fun to watch, but I just, uh, you know, it's not, there's there's always something to it. You know, he they might have some sort of an advantage they've got figured out on those cars that no one else does, and, hey, that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, if I was a midget guy, I promise you, I'd be I'd be working on something or figuring something out because I wouldn't like to, you know, get showed up like that. I tweeted earlier in the week that his, the device is in his pants because he has some big ass balls. But like you said, I just think the midget guys need to step up their game, like you're saying. But what is up with Turbo Threads? This thing broke out in social media, Instagram, Facebook. What is it, and where is this going? Turbo Threads. Come on, I gotta know. Um, really, it's. Caitlin's idea she wanted to make shirts because everyone's shirts are ugly and they don't have style and just the typical girl you know they can they know style and fashion and this and that and I was like well I like I mean that's cool like I'm pretty good judge of if that looks good or not so it was her idea to make some shirts and just not have race cars on them everyone has race cars on their shirts and it's it's her deal totally like I I have zero I am not a part of the turbo threads one bit, except my name's in it. So it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's her. Just it's as her some di- different designs you don't see in late model racing kind of thing, which exactly, I think I'll dig yeah, it. I'll dig it. It's more like a, just a brand. I mean, it could be the next Abercrombie and Fitch. I told her, I hope it's a multi-million dollar t-shirt company. Then I won't have to race. We can go do whatever <laughs> we want. So I don't know. It'll be, I mean, it'll turn into something. I mean, obviously it'll have some racing stuff, but I mean, the idea behind it is to make sure that a lot of people like, one of the best things ever said in dirt late model racing, Timothy Culp said, this is some Mickey Mouse bullshit one night. He said that on a, on an interview. And like, 
I mean, I think it'd be cool to have some sort of shirt with Mickey, Mickey Mouse and bullshit, you know, but it's real like just puns, like real simple shirts, clean, one color, things like that. You know, 62% rear weight. That's, that would be like a chick with a huge ass walking through the pit. Like if a chick's wearing a shirt that says 62 rear percent, it'd be like, huh, all right, kudos to her. So <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff, plenty of ideas. Um, I'm sure some will be like controversial and stuff that people don't want to, you know, people be like, oh shit, he said that. Like they're not here to make friends. That was something I said a long time ago on accident but like people love that kind of stuff so i don't know uh hopefully it turns into something big and uh uh everyone should go check it out turbothreads.com uh should be a new shirt out next week i believe um my living room looks like a, a plato's closet right now so i hope that uh i hope that we sell them faster than we keep them <laughs> i mean will the suave talk podcast brand be on there we need shirts man I'm sure at some point, you know, I like all the Swap Talk, Mount, Rush, Mount Rushmore shirts and things like that. I'm sure uh, you'll you'll sneak into a shirt or something. We'll get something like that lined out here pretty soon. All right, last thing, 411 Talladega this week. Thoughts on the places? I know that's not your specialty, but how many times have you been there? And a little preview for this weekend. I've been to 411 uh, two or three times. I've been there with Outlaws and Lucas. And it's just a, it's just a strange racetrack. You drive into turn one uphill. And you, if you think you can drive in 10 car links deeper, you better back up 10 car links because you'll go through the, the three little towers there in turn one. I've seen it many a night and it really doesn't race bad. It's just, it's just really quirky. Like uh, Corey Hedgecock is so good there because he obviously just knows how to get around it in any type of car. So, um, main thing there is just watch a lot of videos. And for me, I hope it rains when it rains, it makes ruts. And when it makes ruts, it gives me a better chance at a place like that. And then Talladega Short Track, also known as the Michael Page Benefit Memorial Racetrack, they, uh, it rubbers every time I've ever seen it. But McDowell's working the racetrack, so hopefully he's got it juiced up. They say when it, the, you know, the once in a blue moon, when it does get wet, it's got a nice cushion around the top or some speed at least, and you can run the lift. So I'm curious how it does. We haven't been there in 13 years. Lucas hasn't. So I hope it does race good for you know, for the, the track's sake and everything like that. I'd, I'd love to see it be a good race and, uh, exciting. Um, I, it's another place that down South, um, kind of the tracks that I grew up on, even though I've never been to Talladega short track. So looking forward to it. I'd imagine Jimmy Owens will have two strong, strong nights. So that's the only thing that kind of <laughs> sucks is four eleven. He's so good in Talladega. I mean, how could he not be good there? Don't matter. Turbo, you're going to get a win this weekend. We'll be knocking at the door for some points maybe be in the running for the top two spot. And then we're just going to keep digging our way, digging our way closer and closer. But uh, Turbo, you have a good weekend this weekend. Glad to talk to you again. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. Sounds good. See you.